Because it's a bachelor party. But that's not what a bachelor party is. <laughs> and it, but so, so this was, and so I think the crux of the situation is the difference between our definitions of the bachelor party. It came but down it came to out me of, feeling like you like felt you like were, you were left out. From my perspective, it was this is a bachelor party. This is the one time. Well, in my case, the second time. <laughs> second. <laughs> You had a huge weekend in New York. It was York really as well. fun, really fun weekend in New York. <laughs> uh, the reason I think I caved, I think we talked about it, and I realized this was all coming because of the fact that you just felt very alone in LA because we had just moved there. And I think when when we moved here, I had more friends that already lived out here than you did. Yeah. And I realized that that's where it was coming from, and it wasn't that you were trying to take this thing away from me. Right. And I was like, then there's, you know what? There's no reason that this needs to be. An issue and that we can have a fantastic party together. It does sound kind of trivial. But again, when you're in the situation, you're like, why would I ever marry this person? And I think that that was a turning point. Whereas I realized like, I can do all those things that I want to do. And it, but I, it's not about exclusion. It's about inclusion. Because we ended up having the most we had amazing a really fun party. Bachelor, bachelorette party. Yeah. So they canceled the house. We canceled the house. I just rescheduled it. And I had to kind of like eat a little bit of humble pie because I had just like kind of pitched this to everybody. And then I had to kind of be like, I'm changing my mind. You're not, you're all not going to Mexico. Well, and I felt really insecure about that as well. I was like, everyone's going to know that I complained. And I think it didn't matter one bit. No, every lady was like, I would have done the same fucking thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you know what? What I do want to know is is if we find ourselves in, in a scenario like this in the future where we're having a fight, I want to know how do we fight? How to fight healthily. Healthfully? Healthily. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I, I wanna, Either one works. Yeah. yeah. They're both good. I mean, I want, I, honestly, I just want to find out how to win the fight. I want, to- <laughs> <laughs> I want to find out how to win the fight. So what we're going to do uh, is we're going to talk to Robin Bursell, which, as we mentioned up top, she's a former hostage negotiator. So if anybody knows how to win a fight, you know, she is a person who is professionally trained to fight someone who has a weapon. So here we go. My name is Robin Bursell. I'm a retired police officer and a retired hostage negotiator. I currently write mystery novels and action-adventure novels in my retirement. (laughs) This episode is about fighting. High-stakes fighting. We're trying to talk to people about how they fight, what's a good way to fight, is fighting healthy even? In a relationship, specifically. How, How many hostage scenarios did you negotiate? A lot. I was on the force for 27 years total, and probably about 10 of those I was a hostage negotiator. Some of it was face-to-face. You'd, you'd come upon a situation and somebody would pull a gun, a knife, or whatever, and you would have to talk them out of it. Sometimes they were holding somebody hostage. The end goal is that everybody goes home and nobody gets hurt. As a police officer, were you automatically trained in hostage negotiation? No. It, that's special training above and beyond. So whenever they deployed SWAT for anything, they always deployed the hostage negotiators because you never knew when something like that was going to turn into a negotiating instance. What are the strategies you use in a hostage negotiation situation? There are essentially five rules 
that are used in order to talk to and listen to the person that I'm negotiating with. And what are those five rules? The first one, and probably the most important of all of them, is active listening. Then you have empathy, building a rapport, influencing the person so that you can make a behavioral change at the end. Oh, I see. And then five is behavior change. Yes, yes. Could you maybe walk us through one of the most memorable experiences? I find this really interesting. Probably the most memorable one was one instance when I showed up at a house uh, for a family disturbance. Unknown disturbance was how it came out. And I got there and it turned out this this grown man, he was in his 40s, was arguing with his mother. When we got there, there was a broken mirror. Um, people started scurrying out of the, the hallway and we weren't really sure what was going on. And it turned out that this man was was upset because he couldn't make a phone call. It was something that simple that just sent him over the edge. Mm. And my partner tried...